Good morning and welcome to the Simmons Car Care Talk Show. This is Brian, Mr. Test First Don't Guess from Automotive Specialist. Entertaining you today and along with me is Jim from Frontier Towing. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for having me on today. Remember, it's uh, Saturday. Well, folks. thanks for letting me back. Oh, no problem. No problem. It's it's good to have you back. You uh you uh you do a you do it like I said before, Brian. You do a really good job at this. And it's really nice. So, and and I and I know Jerry appreciates it. Yeah, like you I said last night out. I was sitting and thinking, you know, oh boy, I haven't done this in a while, so, you know, how's it going to be? But uh it seems to be cruising along just fine. Remember, you can call us at 719-1490. We're on ESPN, 1490 AM. This is a live call-in talk show, 719-1490. Give us a call. Man, that first hour went by fast. So That's what we hit all the hot spots. We were talking about... <laughs> we get your we get you fired up on warranties and and oil changes and and I don't have to do anything I just I let you go. <laughs> yeah, I tell you it, it that first hour that was that was good that was good we covered a lot of great topics and uh, you know the second hour we'll even hit some more. You know, let's talk about these warning lights. You get a check engine light on, a brake light associated with, you know, ABS light, uh, traction control system inactive. Uh, don't ignore them. You know, the check engine light comes on, and if it's on steady, it's not an emergency, but you really need to get it in and get checked at a qualified repair facility that knows how to properly diagnose it. I don't mean go to your big box store and get your little code read and, oh, boy, I got an oxygen sensor code, and uh, I think I'm going to go buy me one of those things. Seriously? Oxygen sensor codes, about 21 reasons that that sets only one of 21 means go buy a new sensor one I I think you'd almost have better odds winning the lottery in my mind there is way too many oxygen sensors sold way too many Remember, I'm Mr. Test First, don't guess. Google that sometime. You'll see what you come up with. It'll go right to automotive specialist. (laughs) It's true. I've tried it. Jerry's tried it. It works. So you've got 21 reasons an oxygen sensor fails. Now, how does an oxygen sensor work? Well, it reads rich lean, rich lean, rich lean, rich lean the entire time that motor's running. And it's working, you know, Get it's not complicated. It's on a one-volt scale. Okay, if you've got a voltmeter or something that can graph volts, you set it up on a one-volt scale, zero to one. And that sensor in a perfect world is going to go from zero to zero, 0.20 to 
to 0.80. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Rich lean, rich lean, rich lean. So let's say you've got uh, code P0171, fuel system lean bank 1. And on a V8, V10, you'll have P0171. So you got lean, bank one, bank two. Does that mean go buy a new oxygen sensor? No, sure don't. In fact, I can almost guarantee you that if you have a lean problem like that and you put oxygen sensors in, it's not going to fix it. Guarantee it. So what do I do? Mr. Test First, don't guess. If I have a lean problem, first thing I do is go grab a can of carburetor cleaner and I become the fuel supply. Me, not the car. And I'll I'll squirt some carburetor cleaner into it while I monitor that sensor. And I'll see that sensor go rich. What did that just tell me? It's simple. It tells me the sensor works. I have a problem with something else. Okay, same goes if you have a rich code. There are such things as rich codes. Rich, bank one, bank two. Now, if you've got a rich problem, what do you want to do? Try and make the thing go lean. So again, you're monitoring the oxygen sensor on a graph. It's not rocket science. It's just not. This is simple, simple stuff. Force it lean. What do I do in this case? Pull a vacuum cap off. Give it some more oxygen. If you do that and the sensor goes lean, it's working, right? So if you've got a rich condition, what's causing it? It's getting too much gas. Do you have a fuel pressure regulator that's got a ruptured diaphragm in it and it's sucking all the gas through the fuel pressure regulator? Do you have a fuel injector that's stuck wide open or leaking? Okay, remember, this is an oxygen sensor code to most, but it's not. Test first, don't guess, find the problem. So if you're getting too much gas, you've got to figure out what it is. Take that gas away. If you've got a lean problem, generally it's unmetered air going into the engine. What is that in English? It's a vacuum leak. You know, um, Ford's most common vacuum leak on those is the PCV, positive crankcase ventilation hose. Positive crankcase ventilation is sucking a little bit of uh, oil vapor out of the crankcase and into the motor to burn it up rather than let it out into the atmosphere. Okay, The little rubber hose that that oil vapor goes through becomes deteriorated and eventually it'll get a hole in it. Voila. Unmetered air going into the motor oxygen going into the motor through that little pinhole in that rubber hose. 
There's your lean code. That didn't mean go buy a new oxygen sensor, now did it? I mean, quite honestly, I I can probably count on one hand the amount of oxygen sensors I've sold in the last six months. To where, on the other hand, you're do-it-yourselfers. I've seen them put oxygen sensors in. I've seen them put mass airflow sensors in. I've seen them put all kinds of parts on their vehicle and not fix it because of a vacuum leak. Another most common place where a vacuum leak is is the hose that goes from the air cleaner or mass airflow sensor to the throttle body, that big rubber hose, it'll get a crack in it. And you've got oxygen going in the motor, and you've got a lean problem. It's that simple. So again, like I say, test first, don't guess. So when don't you're be on the... code dependent. So when you're working on code the dependency factory... is someone that's taking a code and just going and buying the part because it said that that part failed. So, so when you're working on the it, it just doesn't leak, work that way. When you're working on the vacuum leak, how, how hard is it to find? How when you're working on that vacuum leak, how hard is it to find that? I mean, there's a, sometimes there's a, more than one line. It, there's a lot of chasing that has to go on. They can they can be tough. Um, you know, you could have a vacuum hose. You could have a positive crankcase ventilation hose. Leaking, the air intake hose could leak. Uh, your dreaded intake manifold gaskets can leak. Um, you've got plastic intake manifolds today with rubber gaskets underneath them attached to the aluminum cylinder heads. And plastic warps. And another thing, these plastic intake manifolds, they're super low torque on these things super low. So it's very common for them to warp, very common for the gaskets to leak. Gaskets leak, you get lean codes. Again, because it's unmetered air going into the engine, setting these lean codes, oxygen sensor codes. So so heads up, test first, don't guess. And you can call in today at 719-1490. This is Brian from Automotive Specialist. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, sir. How can I help you? Are you talking to me? This is Emilio. Yep. Listen, uh, you sure know your hands. I'm glad that you're back. Um, we miss you. Hey, uh, I have I have. You missed me. Two thousand. 2005 truck that's been sitting there for a year and a half. I, I busted on my pallet tendon. I don't, you know, drive it. I didn't drive it much. I, I had Parker uh, take it over there, uh, checked everything on it. It's just uh, everything's gas is okay and everything. And uh, they ra- they uh, put in that synthetic oil. I never use that. Uh, according to what Jerry Simmons says that. Uh, 
That's supposed to uh, clean out the motor out. It's supposed to use how to use the truck much. It was 18 years. I've put, what, 36,000, about 2,000 miles a year, so I don't use it much anyway. But uh, what do you recommend that I just keep checking the uh, oil now? And it's supposed to have from 3,000 to 5,000, correct, for the synthetic change? You're correct, but that's for somebody that's using their vehicle a lot. You know, putting on okay. ten, twelve thousand miles a year is, right. is normal. Uh, you're putting on about two thousand a year. Uh, on honestly, I would not go with the five thousand mile interval on that. Um, if you're probably doing a lot of short distance driving. Um, uh-huh. Which can create a problem. Uh, I mean, the the thing is, is if you don't get enough heat into that motor, you can have condensation of moisture inside of your engine. Okay. Now, here's a for instance. My son just put a new motor in his '97 GMC, brand new. Okay, and. I- it was built by a very well-known machine shop, so you know, rest assured, everything was done correctly. And he was checking things out, and we had been, you know, we'd start the thing up and we'd back it out and shut it off. And we did this for days: start it up, back it out, shut it off, start it up, back it out, shut it off. And he was checking his fluids after about a couple weeks, and he unscrewed the oil cap. And there was white substance on the bottom of the oil cap, which is moisture. And he oh. says, gosh, I hope I don't have a head gasket problem. I says, I think that's highly unlikely. But I'm going to tell you this. You just start it up, back it out, shut it off. You don't get a chance to burn off that moisture, Okay. Oh, and you okay. get moisture condensating inside of your engine, and it's mixing with your oil. How do we know this? Because we dropped the oil out of it, and there was little beads of moisture in there. So my advice is, if you're only going 2,000 miles, I change your oil annually whether it needs it or not. Okay, because how long, how long you're going to have moisture condensation in the oil. What's that? I didn't get that. I'm hard of hearing. Did you say how long? How, how long a period to do it? Wait to do it? Five months or five thousand? I do it, it annually. Okay. I just do it annually because you put because on. Of, uh, my leg was still messed up. You know, I fixed it and it felt my uh, tendon tore up again. So I'm still not going to be using it. Another problem is that uh, that battery's. Uh, Jerry said something about a tender on there or something that keeps the battery charged up. Do I keep that on 24 hours a day, or do I have to take it off every now and then? What brand do you recommend? Well, you could get a battery maintainer and, you know, maybe once a month put it on. I mean, unless you've got a parasitic draw on your vehicle, which is something taking power away from it. Uh, Well, I don't don't know. I guess the clock is probably running. And I have, I, I, I they brought brought it in. I drove around the block, but it don't seem right with my leg the way it is. And it seemed like it, 
it used to be more peppy. It looks like, it looks like I'm driving an old truck or what, what it is old, but it, you know, it had a few miles on it, 36,000. But, uh, it don't feel right and I haven't driven it and it's going to be probably sitting out there most of the time just not driving it. So. And uh, the guy. Well, you got to think it. about the gas too. That's in the, you know. Uh huh. The gas, gas is junk just about right out of the pump, you know. Uh huh. And after about thirty days, it's not much good anymore. So you know, you've got, you got to get this vehicle out and exercise. It's just like us. We need to get out and exercise and walk around. You know what I mean? And that car's got to yep. get out and exercise too. Well, I guess I'm. Take it out, maybe uh, take it like to Miranda and come back. I guess uh, once a month, once a week or so, to, to you know make it you know run. And and uh, so you say put the tender on there for uh, a week or so and then disconnect it and put it back on and stuff like that, so the battery don't go dead. Yeah, I mean you'll be fine. Okay. It's funny that they didn't say, I, I figured that they were going to drain the gas in, you know, a year and a half. I, I hurt my leg June of last year. It's been a year, a little over July, obviously. A year and a half since I've used it. And he said the gas was okay. Just uh, He put some 44K in there and said to fill the tank up, which I haven't done yet. But And... Uh, and uh, you know, just go from there. And uh, he said the, the about the only thing wrong with it that the power sharing fluid looked a little dirty. And it seemed like uh, I was going to start with a radiator. I figure more, you know, I'd, I haven't had that done the last three years or so. But he said the power sharing, because you know, well, yeah. it's, it's, so. yeah, that'd be a good idea. The the cooling systems, I tell you, when they. Lack of use sometimes is worse than use. I figure, yeah. You know that stuff I separates out in and, and settles. And, and what? Uh, well, I haven't, I haven't really tried, tested it. I don't even know where the heater works. The air conditioner seems to be uh, not working too good. I guess it's sitting out there. I guess there's a compartment you have to. Well, I haven't done anything since I bought it in 2005. You know, it's weird, uh, Brian. The first battery I had on there lasted 12 years. And then this last one, that, well, the one they, the guy, he tried to charge it up. It didn't do no good because he said, it's, you know, it's been dead too long, I guess. And uh, that one only lasted three years. So it's, I guess, uh, from the factory, I guess they make them better for the, from the, you know. But he put the same motor, same uh Motorcraft battery in there, two hundred and sixty dollars. Boy, they're expensive, aren't they? Boy, these batteries have gone up in price like crazy. I I can't then, believe it. You know, I I remember back in the day, you could buy a battery for around fifty bucks. Yeah, now, just install the, yourself. They're no all over a hundred and fifty. Yeah, now, yeah, yep. that's what I paid for the last one, one hundred and seventy <laughs> about about oh, four years ago, and then three years ago, I guess, and then. uh well, I had to buy this other one, and so do I. Keep putting synthetic from now on because of the it cleans out the motorator. According to Jerry, what he, I, I use his expertise, you know, listen to him and you guys. Now that you're back, yeah, I mean, you can hang with synthetic. It's entirely up to you. If if I was a person, honestly only going a couple thousand miles a year i'd probably just be using a synthetic blend uh uh-huh. because it's cheaper 
You know, I'm not. Yeah, well, I think I think that's what he put on there. I'm just saving pennies, you know. Yeah. Well, I I used to think. But I'd be changing changing it annually. Eight bucks when change it every what every two thousand five hundred miles or or three months, and and, uh, for eight eight bucks, you know, usually it ended up being like twelve or twelve, you know, or much. But it ain't, it ain't like that no more, I guess. <laughs> he he charged me, I think it was like 100 well, bucks for oil change. That's expensive for me, you know, yeah. poor man. Hey, yeah, Jim, how you been? It's expensive, definitely. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it has. Okay. Well, yeah, everything's increased. I, I, I mean, used to be when I got my stock orders... You know, for filters and oil and everything, you know, I I didn't, you know, really pay attention and because the price was always the same. But now it's like week in and week out. I get my stock order, and you better be looking at that and paying attention because the prices go up, seems like, weekly. Well, it, And they uh, don't come back down. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. And, uh, you know, these... Uh... I priced out the wipers forty bucks for. Uh, well, uh, that's what the Parker ones was. They cost like twenty at, at Costco, but uh, it's still expensive. I used to I used to pay like seven eight bucks a piece for one, you know, for for both. Now they're forty bucks for, for I guess it's for two. I guess. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, that's a, what a lot of that's about. due to these new the the new windshields they have. They call them contour. Okay. And they take a different wiper blade that'll keep the surface clean than the old, you know, old type. So, yeah, the costs have gone up. I've seen wiper blades as much as $30 a piece. Yeah, well, I think Parker wanted $40. Well, he has to put them in. I used to go take it to AutoZone. They used to put the battery in for free, and this guy charged me 60 bucks to put the battery in. It doesn't seem right, but I guess well, I've been a wheelchair. I can't do much about it. I guess I have to be more careful where I take my vehicle. I guess, but I, I don't know if everybody's like that. You know, that expensive. But uh, I guess, uh, well, it depends on he. He brought my truck back and everything, so it's running. So anyway, uh, I appreciate your your service, and I I, I I'm amazed at what. Your expertise on this, uh, like I say, you sure know your onions. You know, you've been doing it a while, I guess. Thank you. Yeah, like I say, I've been there. I got the T-shirt. I wore the T-shirt out, (laughs) and I got another T-shirt. Yeah, and turn, so, turn it inside yeah. out, <laughs> like like a good Mexican. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, hey, uh, hey, Jim, are you on there still? Yes, sir. How's, how's it going, Emilio? Oh, pretty good. I'll, I'll talk to you about uh, well, I'll, I'll talk to you after the Zake here. If I have uh, another issue with a toilet. If, if my truck battery goes dead, do you guys start that also, or would that be under that uh, warranty with an insurance company for you know, if, for like towing? Uh, yeah, they'll 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 pay for a jump start, but that don't mean it's gonna hold. If the battery's really dead, well, it'll it'll. Well, in case I go downtown and again. the battery dies, you know, I can't do do much with a on a walker. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, getting there, I guess. Uh, that's what you get for being 80 years old. You got to pay the price, huh? 
That's that's it. But you're doing hey, well, sir. You're sounding well. <laughs> Either pay now or pay later, and I'm paying later, I guess. I did a lot of things in my yeah when I was young that I regret. Now I'm paying it now, I guess. The good Lord's getting a hold of me. Okay. Nice talking to you, Jim. Nice talking to you, Brian. I appreciate your uh, you guys uh, like I say your expertise, and I can listen to you guys diligently every Saturday. Unless I'm asleep. Well, thank you. <laughs> you guys take well, care. Thank God bless. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Again, you can call in to 719-1490. That is 719-1490. Give us a call. We've only got about a half an hour left here today on ESPN, 1490 AM. This is Brian from Automotive Specialist. We're located at 3611 West Ina Road, Suite 101. That's at Meredith and Ina. Meredith is one stoplight east of Ina and Thornydale. We're in the Bookman's Plaza behind Checker O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our phone number is 572-1734. That is 572-1734. Give us a call. You'll probably get Mitch, my son, on the line. He is our service advisor now. He's doing a fantastic job. I really appreciate him. He's he's coming in here, and I get to go home a little early in the afternoon and maybe come in a little late once a week or so. So I really appreciate him. He's doing a great job. I've got a great crew here now at Automotive Specialist. They're they're just cranking the work out and doing a super job. Um, remember, test first, don't guess. Uh, evidence-based diagnostics, you know, just do it. Again, our phone number is 572-1734. Our address is 3611 West Ina Road. Stop in or give us a call. So, you know, um, Brian. Well, it's hard to believe just a couple days ago we had four and a half inches of snow on the ground at my house. Um, And here today it's supposed to be mid-70s. So, yeah, get a suntan today, huh, or what? Uh, Hopefully that cold stuff's all gone. I couldn't believe all that snow. I mean, we had, it was just piled on top of our vehicle. It was amazing. Wipers couldn't hardly push it off. Yeah, that's you know the the snow weather in Arizona is crazy. You know you expect that in you know Missouri or someplace where where they're used to it, but we're not used to it down here. So, a good good testament to windshield wipers. But um, you know, Brian, right. um, Emilio brought up, brought up uh, some good questions. Um, wh- what do you do with a vehicle that sits? for a long periods of time. How, how hard is that on a motor? You're talking about condensation in the motor. Is it? Are we getting rust in cylinders? Are we getting oil in the water just from condensation? Um, how hard is it? I mean, well, like I said, you know, with my son's truck, he had condensation in, in the oil. And uh, it actually, there was a white film on the bottom of the oil fill cap. That's where it's going to go first. And uh, when we changed the oil in it, there was tiny little droplets in it, which I was amazed. You know, just not getting enough heat in the motor. Um, you know, the condensation develops, and then you've got oil and moisture mixing. You know, it's bad. You know, you got to get some heat in the motor. These short trips, 
you know, go a mile to the grocery store and shut it off. I mean, it doesn't hardly get to operating temperature, and that engine needs to get to operating temperature to to make this moisture disappear. So it is hard on a vehicle if you're not using it. You need to get them out and exercise them, you know. So take them out for a 60-mile drive or something or 45, then up to get them running for up to operating temperature for an hour or so or... Yeah, I mean, do yourself, give yourself a treat. Drive up to Picacho Peak, go to the Dairy Queen and have a hamburger and a milkshake, you know? That's a good little trip. <laughs> that is so. a good little trip. If you're, if you're on the north side of town, it's, it's a lot closer than if you're on the on the west side of or on the east side of town. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I mean, you talk about the gas, you know, we see it all the time, gas failing. Um, it doesn't take long for gas to go bad. Um, if if you got a classic or you know a car that you're not driving all the time, you know, a, 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 you recommend something for gas treatment or even oil treatment for that matter. There's something that good we can put in there. Well, to you've keep got the gas alive. The there's some uh, good gas treatment out there. Um, it's called Stable. That's about the best you can get. Uh, you could also use 44K BG 44K. Um, there's, uh, Lucas fuel stabilizers out there as well. Um, you know, just do your homework. There's a lot out there, but, uh, they're not all great. Uh, some are better. You know, the ones that I mentioned are, are three of the best out there. As far as your engine oil goes, there are engine oil stabilizers, uh, motor, motor oil additive, uh, MOA is what, BG calls it motor oil additive. Uh, there, these are things that you can, you know, add to your engine's oil. Um, you know, stabilizers are are good. You know, uh, fuel system stabilizers. At least, you know, annually, I I run a BG 44K through my gas vehicles, and then I got BG 244 that I run through my diesel. I'd run that stuff through my diesel every single tank full if I could afford it, but it's pretty expensive. But, boy, I tell you what, when you run that through it, it just runs better. It's just, it's happy, sounds better. Uh, it's all good. You know, again, it, it's about maintenance. It's about additives. It's about keeping things clean. Um, they'll last longer. They'll last forever. I mean, again, like I say, I got a Honda Accord that comes through here. It's 500,000 miles on it. 500,000. Original motor, original transmission. That's just unheard of. I'll brag about that all day because we have been the ones maintaining that vehicle for that customer. And apparently we've done a good job. Think about it. Think about it. Again, you can call in at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. We only got about a half an hour left. Speaking of time, this radio show is flying by today. Hard to believe. I was thinking it was going to drag. I, I was going, oh, my God, last night I haven't done this in, in forever. <laughs> How's it going to go? And it, it seems to be going along just great. And thank you, Jim, for being on with me here and, and helping me out. I really appreciate it. Oh, not a problem, not a problem. Anytime, anytime you guys need help, I'm I'm here for you. I'm, that's why I ride shotgun, so I can so I can watch your back. So, but uh, anyways, um, um, 
Well, I get one last guy in here. Forget it before we forget our our sponsors. Um, Parker Automotive over. Um, I, thought, I said Parker. Um, I you know what I was going to say I was going to say a uh, Spectrum Minor Road Collision, but you um, or I mean Automotive Specialist, but you you chimed it in. So oh, we got, can't forget Jerry. I we did get Jerry in. Yeah, we got we can't forget Jerry. We got to get you... Simmons in there. Um, Simmons Automotive over on uh, Country Club in Ajo, thirty-seven forty-three South Country Club Road. <laughs> Um, five two zero eight eight four zero two one seven. Uh, they're right there. If you guys don't know, if you go down Ajo and go north on on Country Club um, from Ajo, they'll be right there on the on the almost on the east corner. It's a little bit down, but they're on the east side of the road. You run right into them. Go in there and see Wade. Um, go in there and see the drive shaft shop. They can do all kinds of drive shaft work. And when Jerry tells me he can turn a, a drive shaft that's nine inches in diameter, it just kind of floors me every single time. So I do got good drive shaft work. Um, but we can't forget about Jerry um, since it's his show. We don't we don't want to mess up. And then, of course, there's always me, Frontier Towing, 520-748-1100. When you, <laughs> you can come down and see me, but you better just call me because that's, that's what's going to happen. Um, we, we, you just need to call, and, and we can get you handled. Um, you were talking about uh, insurance companies and warranties. If, if when folks, if you don't, if you don't think it's bad, imagine just trying to get your car towed under a roadside, and you're two hours on the phone just trying to get the agent to take your call. Uh, that is what the guys deal with when the, if the repair shops deal with when they are trying to get your car repaired under warranty. So you can imagine how frustrating that is. Well, yeah, you put that on steroids because that's what Brian gets to deal with when he's on some of them when he's dealing with people. So um, it's hard to relate until you actually have to do it. And I <laughs> trust me, it, it's a, it's a chore sometimes. So, but I just want to chime that in there because people absolutely don't, sometimes people don't don't understand what it really takes. Yeah, behind the scenes here, you know, um, it's it's a lot of time that, you know, we're on hold waiting for parts, uh, waiting for pickup, or internet goes down, and guess what? You do, you got no phones, you got no management program. I mean, it, it's so we're so reliable on technology, and some days I just go, why did I come to work? I mean, technology is not helping me. It's hurting me. You know, Internet goes down. you got voice over IP telephones. Guess what? No phones. No phones. You know, your management program doesn't work because they're all connected on the network, and the network is down, you know, so you can't make a phone call. You can't order parts. You can't do an invoice. Thank you, technology. We, it, it sometimes it's just a drag, you know. I mean, I think back to the day when when I first opened 28 years ago. Um, everything was done by hand. We didn't have a computer. I handwritten every single invoice. I had an adding machine next to me here that I used. Filled in all the little boxes, you know. Looked up the labor in a big, thick book. Nothing was on a computer, absolutely nothing, you know. So it was all done by hand. I remember back in the day, 
you know, at the end of the month, I always dreaded. I says, oh, my God, I got to go through and do a sales tax report for this. Are you kidding me? Hours. Hours it would take. And just, it, it, it was a lot. You know, and doing payroll by hand, had little cheat sheets, fill in the blanks. It, everything was done by hand. But somehow, you know, we plowed through it. And we never had a dist- disruption like you have with technology today. And if the Internet goes down, you're just done, you know. So it all has goods and bads, but this is where we're at. You know, everybody's dependent upon it. You know, your cell phones, your Internet, your technology. So give us a call at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. We only got about 15 minutes left here. This show has really cruised on by here. Uh, Another one of our sponsors is Lens Auto Brokerage. LensAutoBrokerage.com. They are an auto broker. They're on 2101 North Stone Avenue. Phone number 520-628-7500. They have an A-plus BBB rating. They have credit union financing available, extended warranties available, we talked about. One of the largest selection of pre-qualified owned vehicles, foreign, domestic, autos, minivans, mini trucks, full-size trucks, diesels, Jeeps, and occasionally they have RVs, believe it or not. Brian at Lynn's Auto Brokers always says, if we don't have what you're looking for, we'll go find it. Their goal is excellent client service. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 7, Saturday, 8 to 4, or when the last friend leaves. If you're looking for a particular new vehicle, Lens is a broker. Remember that. And they most likely can save you some money and go find that vehicle for you. Again, Lens Auto, 2101 North Stone Avenue. Their phone number, 520-628-7500. Tell them Simmons sent you. Again, this is Brian from Automotive Specialist. Mr. Test First Don't Guess. I'm back. So... Jerry's just taking a little break today, and along with me is Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. Again, their phone number is 748-1100. I'll never forget that. I've been using Frontier Towing for over 30 years. Always have done a great job for us. They've even towed Dad's tractor out to the Pima County Fair. In fact, uh, the other day, uh, the old lift that we took out of our uh, building here, we had that towed out to my property out in uh, Aver Valley. So, yeah, they'll tow it all. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. Um, I had a quick question. Um, you know, we, we talk about, you talk, we're talking about technology. Um, as, as manufacturers rush towards electric, what, what's the, what are the odds you think are, um, cars are going to have less uh, development in the next few years? So, for example, you've seen in your time, you've seen computers that have went from a ba- very basic computer to, you know, 15 computers on a car with codes that were maybe, you know, maybe a dozen codes to a thousand codes on a car. What's what's the likelihood that that's going to continue to develop, or do you think the manufacturers are are starting to to, you know, we're at a stopping point. We can do no more with gas and diesel vehicles. This is it. We've we've come to the end of the line. 
we're switching to a new program, we're switching to electric. Do you think that's happening, or do you think there's going to be continued research into the gas, the gas and diesel areas? Well, I, I think eventually they'll probably try and go full electric. Uh, I, I don't think in my lifetime I'll see it. But, um, you know, they're sure pushing it. You know, California, what, what is it, by 2030, 2035, they, they don't want any more gas vehicles over there. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, it's, I'm glad I'm on the back half of this deal. I won't have to worry about it much longer, you know. Um, soon I will retire, I can guarantee you that, because I'm just flat tired. <laughs> but, uh, you know, technology is here. Yeah, you're driving a computer with wheels. I mean, even even our old 97 uh, Chevy Corvette, it has 21 computers in it. That's an old car, <laughs> you know. These new vehicles, multiple computers, computers with wheels, basically. And, you know, keep in mind they're all talking to each other at the same time. They're on a network, kind of like your office computers are. You know, if you got a few computers in your office, they're all hooked together, all running the same programs. Uh, the car's the same way. You know, you turn that car on and all the computers fire up and they say, hello, I'm here, hello, I'm here. Um, and sometimes you get a, a problem with uh, communication code, which... They're all on a network, like your office computers are on a network. Uh, it's called a bus CAN circuit. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, if you have a problem with that circuit, uh, hold on, because those are extremely difficult to test. You need very specific uh, tools to go in and measure and test these things. Uh, again, we're dealing with low voltage. And... Uh, you know, that gets back to the battery and the alternator and everything else and the ground and the positive. You know, you have to, your vehicle's totally dependent upon voltage. And it needs to be there and it needs to be plentiful. Um, you know, we talk about batteries and batteries not working well, batteries getting low. You know, uh, what battery to put in your vehicle, you need to put the battery in that belongs in your vehicle with the proper cold cranking amps. Uh, it's not like in the past where a battery's a battery's a battery. You know, just go buy me one of them and just stuff that in there and it'll be good. No, it's not. You know, it has to be the one with the proper cold cranking amps in the reserve capacity to operate your vehicle. Because, believe it or not, a, a two-tenths of a volt voltage drop is enough to cause a intermittent problem with your vehicle, doing something weird. Um Remember, too, that the alternator is a battery maintainer. It's not a battery charger. Meaning, if you have a dead battery and you go jumpstart that battery and you're fortunate enough that that engine starts, and then you say, well, I'll just go drive it around and let the alternator charge that battery up, and it'll be fine, right? Well, the alternator's going to do it. It's going to try. It's going to work its tail off to charge that battery back up, and it'll probably do it. But guess what? You've just worked the living daylights out of that alternator and shortened its life. I've seen too many times where somebody's got a battery that's sulfated or it's not good anymore, only about half of its life is left. Um, 
which, by the way, to test a battery, you just don't go and put a voltmeter on it and say, okay, it's got 12 volts, everything's fine. You have to load test it. You have to put a load on the battery to test its strength and integrity. Otherwise, you're getting false results. But if you, I've seen it way too many times where somebody's got a battery that's that's not good and the alternator's working its tail off, and uh, oh boy, come time for the new battery, you put that in, and not long after that, the alternator goes out. I don't know if you bought an alternator lately, but those bad boys are not cheap anymore either. I mean, you used to be able to buy an alternator for 50 or 70 bucks. Now, try hundreds of dollars for these alternators. Many. You know, it, it's just insane. You know, you used to have, like, 50 amp, 70 amp. Today, they're 100, they're 160 amp alternators. So, what were you saying, Jim? Oh, this is a drive-off. So, yeah, I was, I, it goes back to the, you know, the battery goes back to the not driving, too. So, if the battery, you know, just sitting, there's the parasitic draw from the computers on the battery. And Amelia was kind of leading towards a battery maintainer for a vehicle that's been sitting a long time, but... Um, the battery goes dead, and it gets that. What is that? That uh, lead? Uh, was it sulfication that that gets on there, where the it just won't. You can't get the battery to charge back up. And now the battery is at, you know, at eighty percent of its capacity. And it, and I didn't. I never, never. I didn't believe it. To be honest with you, folks, I didn't believe it. I was of old school. You put a battery in a car, and it's just fine. Ah, it's dead. You can charge it. I didn't believe it because well, I drove older vehicles, right? So it wasn't that big of a deal. It is so critical today. I have that my Ford that you know my my problem child with my phasers out of it. You know, it's not from Star Trek either, folks. Um, uh, the uh, I like to use a Star Trek phaser on it, <laughs> maybe make it go away. But uh, the uh, I, I had a battery that you know I took and it was wasn't. I didn't think it was that bad. It would kind of crank a little slow, and I I took it and I t- tested it and I had it tested and it tested okay, and it and it still just things it was throwing error codes like nobody's business. And I broke down and I spent the two hundred dollars to buy a new battery, and voila, everything went away. All the codes went away. It started okay, and. Brian, you can attest to this. You got a vehicle with with start stop technology. The last thing you want in the middle of the road is a truck or a car that won't start on start step technology because now you're sitting at a light with with the accessories running, which completely confounds me. You have a vehicle sitting at a stoplight with the lights on, the heater on, or the air conditioner on, and the radio playing in gear, and will still start as soon as you take your foot off the brake. <laughs> to me, that's amazing because you know what is the first thing we te- are taught: put it in park to start the car, right? But yet it starts, and right. while you're sitting, <laughs> you know. So that's, I mean, imagine the the processes you know, that has to go through. The computer has to be reading. You know, your foot's on the brake, but it's in gear. How does it know you're sitting at a stoplight? I don't know. It knows to start when you take your foot off the brake. Okay, so the technology there just—that's just—I mean—a whole nother segment of complete um, amazement of how, how these engineers have developed these processes in order to save, you know, a gallon of gas. Okay, I mean it's it's really cool, and and unless you've driven one, I had never driven one, 
and but I started driving one, and I was like, wow, this is kind of interesting. Well, then I didn't realize that the that the starter on a start-stop technology vehicle turns not at 400 RPMs, but it turns at about 1,200 RPMs because it needs to start the car right away. Well, what the, what the starter that turns at 1,200 RPM needs? Oh, a really good battery. <laughs> Back to the fact that if you're sitting in a yep. stoplight, you take your foot off the brake, and it goes to start, and it won't start because the battery's junk or even weak, all of a sudden, now you have a real problem on your hand. You're sitting in the, at this intersection, and you're dead. And it didn't ever occur yep. to me because we were towing cars out of intersections that were dead. And I'm like, it just stalled in the intersection. I'm like, how could it just stall in the intersection? Well, it's because the battery's junk. The battery was because, you know, if you left it run, it probably wouldn't have been so bad. But you're not thinking about it. You roll up there. You got your foot on the brake. And it, all of a sudden it says the little light comes on. And, it, and you see the RPMs go to zero. And you're like, hey, it just shut off. And it's it's fine, you know. I mean, FedEx and UPS have been turning their vehicles off at stops for as long as I can remember because they came up with a solution that it's cheaper to buy starters and batteries than it is to buy gasoline. And if we shut it off at every single stop, if, the, my, if my delivery personnel are in the, and you're delivering the package for a minute or three minutes or five minutes, that actually saves a lot of gas. And they've been doing it forever. We're all up there. You see them shut off the vehicle. Put it in park, shut off the vehicle. It happens every day. And that's just their procedure. You know, now cars have come to that procedure, but goes back to the fact that a simple thing like a battery, and I, I understand at 200 bucks, it's, it's simple, but it's still 200 bucks. Um, and it's just not, it, and it's like Brian said, it's not just a battery. It's the right battery. Oh, good Lord. How many different ones are there? There are hundreds of them. You know, is it a lead? Is it AGM? Is it, you know, is it, is it, uh, is it a is it an electric car with a with a with the AGM small battery? Oh, good lord! You know, and that, and now that we're we're diagnosing the battery, now we're back to the charging system. Is this charging system not properly maintain it? Again, I'm from the always driving old school, where you could drive the car with a dead battery or no battery, and the alternator would run it, or the generator would run it. it used to be a generator would run it. Not today. Doesn't work that way. Right, Brian? It doesn't work that way. That is exactly right. I, I mean, you, the alternator will do its best that it can, you know, and it'll try, 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 but it will work it so hard that it can damage it. I've seen it way too many times where, you know, somebody went with a battery and it was badly, badly sulfated and, you know, 50% of its life was gone, and it takes out the alternator. And... You know, that's why, like I say, you need to go and find a good repair facility, go to that repair facility, and continue to go to that repair facility if you like them, so they can keep history on your car. So they're testing everything when they when you come in for that service, like when we, you come in for a 3,000-mile service here or 5,000-mile service here, we're checking everything. Not to try and sell you something, but to keep you advised as to what's going on. The state of health of your battery. We're testing the battery. We're checking all the lights. We're checking the safety equipment. We're checking all the fluids, and we're reporting back to you their condition. We do all these things to help 
teach you how to take care of your car or to help you plan for future maintenance so you don't have to have that great big repair bill. You know, we may say, hey, you know, that transmission fluids it's it's not red anymore. It's starting to turn brown. You, you don't have to flush it today, but you might want to do it next time through. And, oh, by the way, this other fluid, it's starting to turn colors too. So you might want to do that maybe two services from now. Break these services down into little pieces. You know what I'm saying? So you don't have the big repair bill, you know? It's just the way it, you know, it's a good way to do things. So, you know, go to your favorite repair facility, continue to go with them, build a history with them, and maybe you can have the same story as the guy with the Honda Accord that has 500,000 miles on it. He's been coming to Automotive Specialist since he had about 60,000 miles on his vehicle. So, hey, you know, think about it. Preventive maintenance is where it's at. You'll do yourself a favor. You'll do your billfold a favor. And you'll be happy. I mean, think about it. I take care of all my vehicles, uh, and when the fluids are dirty, they get renewed. And I don't have to buy another car, hopefully, unless something catastrophic happens. But I I shouldn't. The maintenance program that I'm on with my vehicles, they should last forever. It's just all there is to it. Well, Jim, boy, these two hours have really flown by. We've only got about three, four minutes left here. Yeah, that, you're, you're cranking it, Brian. You're doing. You, you, you saved up all that, all all the time you haven't been on. You saved it up for today because you're on it. I guess so. I guess so because this has cruised by pretty darn good. I uh, like I said last night. I was kind of going, oh boy, <laughs> this will be interesting. You know, I mean, you don't want dead air on on the radio. You know, you got to get after it and keep that two hours full. So I, I think we've done a great job, and thank you very much for helping out, Jim. Oh, no problem, Brian. Thank you. I mean, I, I appreciate everything you guys do. Um, but I was going to tell you, what, your guy with 500,000 miles, you know, I, I would bet I would bet heavily that not only does he take care of his car and maintenance-wise, but he actually takes care of his car. He doesn't treat it like a trash can. He doesn't go out and beat it to death he actually cares about his vehicle so when on on top of maintaining it you know you need to your car needs to be have a, you need to have a little respect for your car i mean it's not a it, you don't just fill it full of garbage and, and run around with it you know you don't just run it into stuff and you know roll up to the parking block and 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 hit it and slam it into park you know and think that everything's going to be okay because it's not you know the car. The car will last as long as you want it to last, and if you want to beat it to death, it'll 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 act just like that. And the reason why I know that is because I've towed cars like Brian has there with 500,000 miles on them, thinking, "Wow, this is amazing." And I've towed cars with 20,000 miles on them that are completely destroyed. So you know, if if you're if 
your whole attitude towards your car, if you're going to maintain it, and it, then the odds are you're going to treat it right. If you don't want to treat it right, well, it doesn't matter what you do to it because it's going to break down on, on you no matter what you do because if you have no respect for it, it isn't going to respect you. And you know what? It doesn't care when it breaks down. <laughs> it doesn't care where it is or when it is. Right. So, <laughs> which is kind of ironic, but... Uh... That's exactly right. Take care of it. You know, it, it'll treat you back if you take care of it. I, I've got a lot of customers that have been coming here to us for 20-plus years. I've, you know, I think back, and it's just amazing. I remember, you know, now not only is the parents coming here, but their kids are coming to Automotive Specialist. I mean, I've seen these this family. I remember they started coming here when their their kids were in the bait, you know, the car seat. I, I remember the kids, little babies, you know, and now their kids are all grown up and have families, and they're bringing their cars here. It's amazing to to be in, to be in business for this long and earning a relationship with your customers and seeing their families grow up and and their children come to you. It it just there's a lot to be said for that and I'm really proud of what we've done here in the last 28 years and I want to thank all our customers for coming to us and supporting us. I want to thank all the radio listeners out there for letting me back on the air. It's been a great couple of hours here today, and we're coming to the top of the hour. It's been a great show. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for helping out.